It is uh, always a delight to be with you at Hills. It, feels, it always feels like coming home. Um, I think the, the uh, time, nearly 10 years I spent at Arana Hills, Church of Christ as pastor there, and still catch up with, uh, with Nathan here and with the other pastors in the network as well. So it, it feels much like coming home. So thank you for your welcome. And uh, thank you. I, um, this morning is not going to be a nice, neat, tidy Sermon. Not that I do nice, neat, tidy three-point sermons anyway. But um, I want this morning to be more like a walk. You know when really sometimes you take a walk with someone and, um, and you, you talk around various topics, you know, you, and you come and think, hey, that was really good. We just talked around a number of things. And, and it wasn't nice, nice and neat and tidy. But probably during that walk, you may come back with one thing that you just stick with. And, and that's means this morning you're going to have to do a little bit of work. So um, it's a general topic I'm going to talk about, but I want us to see it a bit like a a walk um, together, but I want you to actually think about what's the key thing out of what I share that you need to take home, that you need to take hold of, that you need to action in your life. There'll be too much to do with a whole lot. I don't want people to be swamped. But just as you go through, try and think, oh, that's interesting. I haven't thought of that before. Actually, I need to do some work on that area of my life. And so if you want to, as we go through, maybe make a note on your phone or a piece of paper or whatever, you've got anything that just just triggers in your mind, thought, oh, I need to think about that, or ouch, that hurt a bit, Um, jot it down. And then by the end of the service, you may have two or three things listed there, but at the end of the service, would you just take a moment to say which of those two or three is the real key thing that God needs to work on with me? Because if you walk out this door exactly the same as you come in, that's pretty sad. The whole idea is, like we, Adam said at the beginning, we need to encourage each other and go out more buoyant than how we came in to, uh, to know that actually God's spoken and here's an area of, of where, where, the, where the work starts, if you like, of change in our life that happens when we go out the door. So uh, I need you to do a bit of work, not just sit there and, and, um, and look like you're enjoying what I'm saying. Um, so I like working with kids. There's a lot of ministry with kids because if they were bored, you'd know. You know, they start finding something else more interesting to do, like climb the wall or pull the hair of the girl in front or whatever else it is. Please don't do that, by the way. Um, let me pray, and I'll talk a bit about compassion, and then we'll dig into God's word. Father, I thank you that you are not just loving, but you are love. I thank you that there's, there's no one here that is outside the reach of your incredible love. It doesn't matter what size we are, what shape we are, what kind of personality we have, what our history has been, or what we're in at the moment, that your promise is that your love is um, greater. And so, Father, as we think about what's happening in, in other nations around the world as we think about what's happening in our lives right now, that mixture. Father, would you meet us there? And my request is, Father, we would leave this place different to how we came in, somehow closer to you, somehow um, reoriented, somehow um, back on track or, or on, a, on a trajectory that's a lot closer toward you than it's been before. So please, Father, would you help us by your spirit in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you um, aren't familiar with compassion, just a little um, uh, bit of quick synopsis, a bit of an update, and, um, and, and this is all connected, actually, with what I'm going to share here, with what I'll share from God's Word a bit later. So um, 
If your eyesight's really good, you see it on the, the screen behind me that, that Compassion, our, our strap line, our mission statement is about releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. And so we're unashamedly Christian, we're un- unashamedly about Jesus, and we, want, uh, we think the best way for children to be out of poverty is for them to know Jesus. And um, with him comes a holistic way of life um, that is good for us and good for people. If you look at principles in the Bible, whether people are a Christian or not, it's a good way to live. I look at the, the principle of, of forgive people when they sin against you. It's a good principle. Otherwise, if you don't forgive them, you become more bitter, more angry in, inside. And that's not good for you or for anyone else. There are so many principles in God's word. Now, the golden rule, you know, do to others as you'd have them do to you. I think it's a pretty good rule to go by, whether you believe in God or in Jesus or not. And so in terms of believing in Jesus and all the salvation is found in him, absolutely, that's where, where we need to get to. But there's so much for, um, that can help people in life just through what the Bible teaches. So we're all about um, releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. Children because they're among the most vulnerable in society. Your babies are born pretty helpless without nourishment, without help, without support. They won't thrive. And um, if, you're, if you're in a situation just because of the country and the family you've been born into, that's not your fault. That's not a choice, is it? That, that you've been born in a country where there is no welfare system, where there, there, there isn't perhaps many churches, there isn't much of e- or easy to hear the gospel, or where there's just little work. Or your parents have no citizenship in that particular country because you're refugees. That's not the child's choice, but we want to help those children so they can get a great start in life and that they can have choice. And that's our aim in compassion. If you uh, see, if your eyesight is very good, you'll notice that in the word compassion, the, the eye is not an eye, it's a one. That's when everyone goes, oh yeah. So on our, our logo, um, and just the whole point of that is the reminder that we're all about the one. Like if a family or an individual could sponsor one child, sponsoring that one child can make a huge difference for not just for that child, but for their family and for their community and for their nation. And just to give you an example of that, Compassion started in South Korea back in the, the mid-50s. And um, because a guy called Everett Swanson was visiting um, South Korea in doing some evangelism just after the Korean War. And um, he was walking down the street and with his coat under his arm. And as he walked along, a child ran past him and stole his coat, just whipped it from under his arm and took off down the street. And I don't know if you were in that situation, what you would do. I know my knee-jerk reaction would be probably the same as yours, which would be to... Chase, yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, Everett's a bit, bit um, taken back to start with, so he's a little bit behind. Um, so he takes out off after this, uh, this child. Child ducks around a corner to the next street. Everett gets around the corner, and he just can't see the child. Just can't see his, ch- his coat. And just thinking, well, where'd he go? Where'd he go? So he's looking around and poking around. And as he walks down the street a bit further, he um, sees in an abandoned shop doorway his coat just dumped there. And he, ah, here it is. Picks up his coat. But underneath the coat is a very small, malnourished child. Again, totally taken back, unexpected, wasn't expecting this. He, he looked around in the doorway, there was what looked like a pile of rags in the corner. He moved those, another child underneath. 
he started to discover what was happening, there was a, there'd be a truck that would go down the, around the streets early morning, picking up the children's bodies who had died overnight. And there was one phrase that stuck in Everett's mind with, with what gripped him by what he saw in that general side, but also this something that had become very personal of having his coat stolen and, and then finding where, where it was. And he did say he left his coat in the doorway. And he said he walked down the road with a phrase on his mind that was this, what are you going to do? 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 And that phrase just did not, did not leave him. And if you can imagine a 1950s plane from um, South Korea back to uh, the US, wherever it was from, he said the plane engines, you know, prop plane, said that thing all the way back. You just imagine it, you know, what are you going to do, what are you going to do, what are you going to do, what are you going to do? <laughs> Four hours and hours. So um, by the time he got back, there was this conviction, I have to do something. And, um, and compassion was born and child sponsorship started there in the 1950s with, with around 15 children. And today where we sponsor over 2 million children around 25 different countries around the world. Releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name, one at a time. One at a time. And just... And we encourage you to join in. You think, oh, look, I can't really do that. $48 a month is what it costs to sponsor a child to change a child's life. That's what, two, three coffees a week? I wonder how many of us drink more than that right, from a shop or whatever else it is. And I just look at it and break it down in those terms. Think, I, I, could, I could give up three coffees a week um, for, for sponsoring a child to make a difference in a child's life. What I love about what's happening in South Korea is South Korea is now a sponsoring nation. It's gone from a nation in poverty to a nation that now sponsors actually, a lot of children. They are incredible sponsors. And when they're now the current CEO of, um, of, South, of Compassion South Korea, when he started to, to go around thinking, how am I going to get um, people to sponsor children? He started going to some of the pastors and saying, look, would you be interested in... Um, sponsoring children through compassion and they, they also think absolutely he said well, why are you so keen he said we were the sponsor children so they were the kids that had come to faith through compassion and they were now pastoring the churches so it's why um, it's so strong in South Korea and um, it's getting close in Thailand which is where you guys sponsor it's really really exciting I was there in Thailand just uh, last year back there again at the end of this year and the, the, the strategy for Compassion Thailand where things are improving is really, really phenomenal, incredibly exciting. I'm not allowed to tell you too much because it's one of those situations where um, you know, I have to kill you and me if I tell you the information because I'm not allowed to yet. But um, no, I'm joking. But um, needless to say that, that things are improving. There's still a lot of need. Um, don't get me wrong. So we still need people to sponsor. Um, but what the transitioning that's happening. We've never done this before with where we're at in, in Thailand. So we're hoping by the end of the year to be able to have more information to give you. Um, but as I met with the um, field director of Thailand, just hearing his passion and their strategy of what they're going to be doing is incredibly exciting. And so Arana Hills, where I used to pastor, we sponsor in Thailand as well. And, um, and I can't wait to tell people about the potential about what will what will happen from here. So um, watch this space. I'll uh, update you as I get more as I'm allowed to tell you more. I just have snippets at the moment, but um, that's um, to come. 
If things seem a little disjointed this morning, my notes are on my printer at home. They're very safe there, but um, um, <laughs> but we're uh, <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Three main things that we're about in Compassion. We focus on children. Um, I've mentioned that and as to why. The stats are still horrendous. They're improving, but um, it's still 16,000 children under five years old die every day from preventable causes. Every day, 16,000 children. That's 5.9 million children per year who are under five are dying because they don't have access to clean water, um, uh, nourishing food, or adequate medical attention. And that, that's just not not good enough um, and we can do something about that Those, they're, they're not that complex things to provide they're relatively simple so we focus on children we're church based because we want to empower the local church to do that outreach so it's um, if you go and visit which I encourage you to be able to visit your sponsor child it really messes you up in a good way and it's what got me into this role with compassion when I went to visit um, children that I sponsor so um, we're church-based. It means if you go and visit, you won't see a big sign saying compassion. You won't see that there. You'll just see the name of the church. And what we do is we work with people in the local church who they're the ones who are doing the work with the children. So it's just like you've um, commissioned some, of, some interns. Um, we just work with people in the local church and we train them and we equip them and we support them and we help them to do the work out there in the field. So the people just see the, the local church it becomes a hub in the community. And as a pastor, I love that about compassion. And finally, we're Christ-centred. Uh, I've mentioned about that already. So last, uh, our last stats over a 12-month period were 137,000 children coming to faith in Jesus in a 12-month period. I find that really exciting. You don't seem very excited about that, but I, I, um, I know you're in church, but you are allowed to get excited. I find that it's a phenomenal statistic. But not only that, if the conservative average is for every one child that comes to faith, four family members will follow. So if you could put that into, it's not quite as neat and tidy this, but if you could put that into a 12-month period, that's 700,000 people coming to faith. Yeah. You see why I love compassion? And why as a, as a pastor I got excited about compassion? And your pastor Nathan has, has been to the field with me and, um, and got a bit messed up as well um, with some people that we met and children that we met. And um, actually the, the village that really, really impacted Nathan, where actually where he... Um, uh, where he sponsors. I've got one, only one child from that village here, and his name is uh, uh, Silsturut. The village is amazing. It's, it's not far from a um, big refugee camp near Mesot in the north, uh, northwest of Thailand. So the village is largely, largely populated from people who've come out of that refugee camp. The, the, the impact that it's having in that town is phenomenal. 80% of the children in that village area come to the Compassion Project. 80%, and it's Buddhist area. But there's only about 35 in the church, adults, because it's so strongly Buddhist. But what's happening is the children are, are being impacted, are coming to faith and being changed, and, and gradually a shift is happening in that whole area. So it's incredibly exciting. So um, the pastor there is an amazing, absolutely amazing guy. Just ask uh, Nathan to talk about the pastor at this village and you'll be there a while. Had a huge impact on, um, on him. And um, I'll leave a, a video, which in the future I'll, I'll let you show, just of, of him because I know Nathan would love to see that. So um, there's just one, one child. He's been waiting 160 days for sponsorship. There's some more kids over the table at the back there. So if you can join with others in sponsoring or maybe saying... 
actually, I could sponsor another child. Why not? What's stopping you um, to have an impact where, where there are people in local churches who really, really want to impact their local community? And it's happening. Really exciting. In Compassion, we're about holistic child development. And I want you to remember that word at the beginning, holistic, because that's what I want to speak about from God's word this morning. And the, the four key elements we look at in terms of holistic child development are those. with Education, physical, socio-emotional, and spiritual. Just really briefly, educational, really important, because um, if you can help a child in education, they can then get a job more than just subsistence farming, which is what their parents have done and their grandparents have done. So if we can help them with education, crucially, crucially important. Physical, down to what food they eat, having good exercise, looking at some medical care, making sure those things happen. Socio-emotional, again, hugely important. If you've grown up in a place of poverty and your parents have grown up in poverty and your grandparents have been in poverty, what's your mentality to give me thinking? Poverty. And so we, we have a phrase in Compassion that says, you may be in poverty, but poverty doesn't have to be in you. I really like that. And that's why, where the, the, each child has a mentor that's helping them realise that they may be the one that can change things for their family and their local community. And then uh, the last one, uh, not just at the end, but spiritual, of looking at as if they can meet Jesus, they can find hope, they can find an empowerment to live differently and have an impact where they are. So those four things, holistic child development, we need to cover all those bases. It's not enough just to say, oh, you need Jesus, and not provide some food. But it's also not enough just to say, hey, here's some food, but not, hey, let me help you to get educated and look at those things. So we look at these things um, crucially important. Um, Let's look at um, God's word together. This um, parable... The Good Samaritan, you have probably heard too many times if you've been around churches. Uh, I have been in, in children's setting, I've been every character in this story multiple times. And, um, and, and I got to a point where I felt this parable was done to death. It is so familiar. In fact, to the point that I've never preached on it. This is the first time I've preached in an adult setting. I've, I've done this with children before, but I've never preached on this, which is... Which is crazy really when I think about the role I'm doing with compassion but I think it was because I've just heard it preached from every angle you know and um and just uh, uh, I don't know but there, I, I read this fresh and what I want to share from here is um maybe a little different tack to what you may have heard before so verse 25 on one occasion an expert of the law stood to test Jesus teacher he asked what must I do to inherit eternal life think about that question What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. I'm just going to stop there for a moment. How do you you read it? The Shema. Hear, O Israel, love the Lord your God with all your... Shema means... In, in the Hebrew, here, that, that bit, what's called the Shema, is just that beginning, hear, O Israel. But here doesn't mean, just mean listen, it means obey as well. It's, it's, it's a word that means both things. Like, what's the point of hearing if you don't do what it says? And in Hebrew, that word means both those things, not just 
hearing words. Does that make sense? So behind this passage is that concept that if you're not, if you're not obeying what you're hearing, there actually is no, you're not really hearing. Does that make sense? Holistic child development. We're children of God, aren't we? We need holistic child development. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. How's that going? Love the Lord your God with all your soul. How's that going? Love the Lord God with all your mind. How's that going? Love the Lord your God with all your strength. How's that going? I love the Wesleyan church because I studied Wesley a lot. Wesley and Whitfield, both um, together, they were kind of partners in crime, if I can put it in that context. Um, but one of the, the, the impacts that Wesley had on me was his daily routine. He regularly, uh, since his mid-30s, got up at 4am every morning, and this is UK, all right, and I'm from the UK, and it's 4am, you don't want to be up at 4 in the UK, it's not bright and sunny like this, it's cold, it's damp, it's dark, it's cold, and uh, I don't know how he did that for so long. He did that until he was in his 80s, got up at 4, but he'd also go to bed at 9.30 every night, bed at 9.30, because he worked out that he needed six and a half hours sleep, and that was really good for him. Now, you may be someone that only needs four hours sleep, or you may be someone that needs eight or nine hours sleep. Um, But Wesley would say, make sure you go to bed on time and you get up on time. I like that. I like that. He also watched his diet. And I mean, in today's society, it's it's a big thing. We've had had, communion. Like when I was growing up, I never heard anyone say, um, the bread is (laughs) gluten-free. Never heard that. It wasn't an issue. This is in my my generation, my my era. We didn't. Just, yeah, it was just bread, you know, white bread, you know, the real unhealthy stuff. Because in the era where I grew up in in my church, the thing that was most important was the spiritual, and and I'd say moral. They were the two key things in the church I grew up in, which were the crucial things that you really had to look at. So they were they were look out for. So kind of. Um, um, walking closely with God, making sure you have a quiet time, and, and the whole spiritual side was important. Your body and all that side was not seen as that important, really. But I was talking with my daughter for, for the generation in their 20s, actually, a huge majority of them would go to the gym regularly. So it makes preaching incredibly difficult because there is, there is a growing. Um, separation between generations which is changing at a faster and faster rate. Am I making sense? So if I preach about what's important, what I feel is really important for my stage of life in my mid-50s where you know, middle age spread um, that somebody, somebody said that I used to be narrow-waisted and broad-minded and, and those things seem to have swapped. Um, uh, um, whereas I think, actually I need, to, I need to think about a bit about my body and, and I want to challenge us this morning with a challenge from Wesley where he said, look at what you eat, look at what you drink, look at how you exercise, and look at how you take time out to be with Christ. He said those four things are really important. And in the 1770s, he was promoting something that is only coming into time again now. He was way ahead of his time. So if you are my age and you grew up in my era, I want to give you a really in-the-face challenge Are you way overweight? If so, what are you doing about it? 
And I said, that's a challenge for me because I, I've been the same weight, I was the same weight since I was 18 until very, relatively recently. And I started putting weight on. I think, what's going on? I never used to have to worry if I could eat anything. And like, my sons are pretty much the same as me. And that's not okay. It's not okay just because I have a high met- metabolic rate and I can eat whatever I like. I can easily be a glutton. It just doesn't show. But that's not okay. So I've had to say, actually, Simon, watch more what you eat. Eat healthy. I've started to do more exercise. People say, oh, you look really healthy. Yeah, but looks are deceptive. You know, I started to realize, actually, it's been coming harder work. But if we're going to love the Lord your God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, then be in the best shape you can to do that. Because if you're not getting enough sleep and you're feeding junk in your body and you're overweight, you will be more tired more cranky and less able to be alert and really to serve God. Now, I'm touching a bit of nerves here. I've got the car engine running and I'm ready to run out the door at the end. Look, we are all, we are born with a body shape. And the majority of us aren't like Barbie or Ken. Let's just get that straight, you know. That is how it is, isn't it? We're, we, we just have a particular body shape, but yet social media and, and the press and, and the movies say, this is what everyone should look like. It's true, isn't it? Do you realize that you, you don't live in your body, you are your body? Think about that for a minute. You're not just in a body, you are your body. Psychologists are only just um, finding this out where they're saying you, that, that your mind, your brain is an embodiment of you. It's not like a separate thing. Because all of our emotions, they're a chemical thing that happens as part of our brain. So it's really important how we look after this. And a lot of the thinking where we're all separated is not Christian. It's actually Plato who said that your body is the coffin for your soul. That's a bit tragic, isn't it? Because there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And you know what? We're going to have bodies new bodies. And in that, it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing. I was listening to someone speaking on this recently. And look, we don't have a lot of, um, uh, of clues about what the new bodies will be like. The, the most example we really have is Jesus. He had a resurrect, re- resurrected body. But if you think about most people that I know who talk about heaven, they say, oh, I can't wait for heaven. I'm going to have a new body. True. And, and they kind of think it's going to be the Barbie or Ken body, <laughs> um, but recognisable as them. That's kind of, we think like that. I think that is our mentality. But if you think about Jesus, it was the opposite when he was resurrected. People didn't recognize him. And yet he had wounds in his hands. And oh my goodness, what do you do with that? I don't know. But the thing I want to say to you is God loves you, He really loves you. Whatever body shape you have, whether it's a real skinny body or a, the opposite, he loves you. And what I want to say this morning is not there's not a a, um, a dig. We all have hang-ups. We all have issues. We all have things we have to overcome in our lives. And some, for some people, they're very physical. Some are more emotional or more mental. So that's certainly the case for me. And God says, "I love you, and I want you to love me." with all your heart, with all your soul, which means includes your body, with all your mind. And the Greek word for mind is a fascinating one. It means from side to side. I thought, I like that. 
You know, a healthy mind is one that can explore this option on this side and this option on this side and go backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards and mull it over and have a conversation and not be biased and one-sided. I like that. I like that. With all your mind and with all your strength. And all that that means of why I'm saying about getting to bed early, eating healthy, exercise, and doing what's appropriate for you and what you're able to do. And for some people, there's physical reasons why exercise is really difficult. I don't want, I don't want anyone to walk out of here feeling any, any sense of any blame or shame. I want you to walk out of here knowing God loves you in the body you have, with the mind that he's given you, and a way to say, come closer. In fact, a friend of mine says... Um, he only preaches, ever preaches two sermons. I thought, well, that would be really easy as a pastor, just two sermons. He said, the first one's come to Jesus, and the second one has come closer. And I like that. I like that. And that's the journey of, of saying, how do we come closer? As Christians, we should be holistic. And my time has gone. The rest of the passage hopefully will be really familiar to you, where, 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 where this teacher of says, well, who is my neighbour? And then you go through the story of a, of a guy who's, who's left the side of the road, who's beaten up and robbed. And the, the two stalwart Jewish Christians ignore him, walk past on the other side. But it's the outcast, the Samaritan, the one, the one who was pushed aside is the one that not only cared, um, kind of just helped him out. He didn't just say, oh, I'll take you to hospital. He actually cared for him, took him to the inn, not just paying money, but actually physically looking after him. And as believers, if we're going to be holistic in how we do things, we have got to live this life outside of this building out there and we have got to be alert to notice when someone's beside the road. When someone, and that beside the road might be sitting at the desk in the office and you just notice that they just look like they've had a bad day or a bad night or whatever reason is and it might be you just say, ah, oh, go and get them a coffee. That can be a beside the road as well. And that's why I think if, if, if we can be as healthy as we can be, as alert as we can be, loving God in this holistic way, we are more likely to notice our neighbours who need our help and we're more likely to be able to help them because we have some energy and we're not just frazzled, kind of get to the end of the day, come through the door and we just flop on the chair because we have nothing else to give. Wesley didn't live like that and he's the founder of your denomination. Take some lessons from him. He was all about holy living, all about Jesus, but he knew also to eat a lot of vegetables and not too much meat. That's what he said. He knew how to go to bed on time. And he could be in the middle of a meeting and he'd say, I'm retiring for bed now, good night. And he'd just go. (laughs) Incredible, incredible guy. Here's some lessons we can um, learn from him. So it might be, it might be this morning that you're thinking, I need to go away and exercise my brain some more. I need to do some more side to side because I've become narrow-minded and I need to be broad-minded. It, it might be that you can say, actually, I'm going to change my diet. Hey, family, hey, let's, can we do this together? You may be blessed with a, with a metabolism a bit like mine. Hey, but don't be a glutton. Don't just put anything in because you feel you can. Look after your body because you'll feel more healthy. Might be getting out for a run, it may be joining a gym. It might just be doing some stretches in the morning. It might be as simple as that. But look for ways to um, improve your health, your general well-being, because you'll find it will improve your walk with God too. We're, we're one being. We're not all separate. We're connected. This is, is not like, a, I guess, a split, 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 split thing. It's actually saying you are 
all of these things in an entirety. And what I find fascinating in that passage is it doesn't say spirit anywhere. Do you notice that? Love the Lord of God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbour as yourself. At what point did he preach Jesus? It doesn't say that. I think it's like that famous word that says, um, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. If you really love people, they notice. And they'll come and ask you why. And there's your opportunity. So this morning, I don't know what you have, um, what you want to take away from this morning of what your challenge, your challenge is to, to be different from here on. But please take hold of something that God has, has put his finger on in your life. It might just be as a reminder, you say, I'm going to sponsor a child. Holistic child development, I need this as a reminder for my own life as well. So why not do something like that where you can say, actually, I want to help a child holistically. Hey, maybe that child can be the spur to remind me that I need to live holistically, um, to love Jesus with all of my life and look after myself so that I can be the best I can be for him. So uh, there's a number of, of children there, a real mix of ages from real littlies, from kind of one-year-old um, through to um, 11, 12 or so-year-olds. So please, um, any questions you've got, I'll be over there. Come and see me. Um, uh, obviously, I'm here on my own. But if, you, if, if any of the issues have really struck a nerve in you or touched a nerve and you would like some prayer, I think you have people available um, to pray. So just at the, at the close of the service, when we're finishing, and just come down, maybe sit on the, one of the front chairs down here, and someone will come to uh, pray with you. Um, because I've realised I have potentially opened a can of worms here. Today is not about a blame. It's about knowing that God loves you just as you are. But he loves you too much to leave you there. So he wants to bring you closer. So let's, um, let's pray. And for the musicians would like to come up. Father, thank you for the God you are because you're not just loving, you are love. And I want to pray for us that somehow, Father, as we go into another week, as we hurtle into another year, which just, well, another decade, um, time seems to fly increasingly fast. I pray, Father, you would help us that this year will be a year where we see you do a lot in us and through us. We want to be an embodiment of your son, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, where you, where, where you said and you prayed that, that this is eternal life, to know Jesus. So may we live in this eternal life just knowing Jesus because it's because we know you and because you loved us first, we're able to be loved and to love. So thank you, Jesus, for paying the price for us. It's all grace. But thank you, Jesus, you want to mould and shape and change us. And would you help us? I pray for, just want to pray for people this morning. Father, I pray for those that, that just have trouble with anxiety where they just overthink they go from one side to the other and back again and two million times and it just becomes overwhelming and anxiety father i want to speak peace into those minds to rest and settle and have a clarity where there's been cloudiness i want to pray for those that just struggle with weight they just have one of those bodies that sees foods and puts it on father i want to pray for for them that you would help them to know what, 
What's the best diet for them? What's the best exercise for them? What's the best way to be comfortable in who they are and not feel ashamed or any of that, but to walk with you closely, but to find a way to find more energy and more strength? Father, I pray for those that um, are struggling in their heart, the heart of just, just not knowing really what they believe. Not really, not really knowing where they're going and what their direction in life is and what life's all about. I pray for those people, Father, that your spirit would speak to that real heart of who they are and bring some clarity and bring some direction and bring some hope. And finally, I want to pray for the children that will be sponsored this morning. Father, you'd link the right child with the right sponsor, the one that can, where a relationship can develop that can be mutually encouraging, mutually holistic and glorifying to your name. So Father, I pray these things all in the precious, powerful name of Jesus who loves us. Amen. Amen.